0: You're listening to the World Football Programme with all the latest updates from both local and international football.
1: to the world football program on a wet wild and cold morning after the lovely day that it was yesterday yeah
0: absolutely good morning all um it's uh winter time i think
1: yeah it landed
0: it's landed yeah it
1: did indeed you're listening to radio Fremantle 107.9 fm if you miss any part of today's football banter soccer banter just go onto the worldfootballprogram.com.au website and click on the podcast. Nick Templeman does his magic, and it'll be up shortly after the show finishes. Thank you, everyone, for listening in. Thank you to our partners, Futsal WA, Oswest Fencing and Rode Iron, and Gator and Fence Hardware. Everybody who listens in and becomes a member of the station, we appreciate it. it keeps us on air. Thank you. It allows us to keep on talking.
0: Absolutely. And mm. uh, it's good. It's great football being back. It's, everybody's up and running now.
1: It never stops, Dave. It's just kind of an intensity of when it changes through the year. I don't know, that's that's changed from year to year too. Yeah. 12 months of football, but the amount of competitions is increasing and the exposure to the competitions that we didn't have before that we're still running, um, just getting more and more, broadcasting more and more, streaming more and more, the opportunities more and more. It's just kind of crazy.
0: Yeah, and uh, the higher up you go, the... the the more intense it gets, you know, yep. and, and there is people getting fired just for, you know, for just for being there. Here is poor Frank Lampard getting blasted, mm-hmm. and he's only in there trying to help. You know, that's a pretty yep. sad thing.
1: More injuries occurring too, oh, especially in the women's side of football. I've noticed well, not especially, but it's a, a growing thing that's happening as their timetables are getting more compact. Yeah, um, having to figure out just like. Men's side of the football that having the large squads and not just large squads but really massive squads to yeah. get go into all the international competitions that they are increasingly participating in now globally
0: yeah.
1: is just having an impact on bodies.
0: Yeah, on on the bodies. Mm. This is it, you know. And I, I, you know, I think it's the same in all sports. But uh, the the demands on them are so high. It's uh, Gets to be a point when there's, you know, there's games every day, every night, and and all weekends are just full speed ahead. And these Premier League squads must be massive. Yeah. And the cost to run it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, we love watching it. It's a big machine, it's a a business machine. Now, look at the comments by FIFA this week about the broadcasting rights for the Women's World Cup. And, um, you know, hypocrisy kind of comes to mind there. uh, People paid a lot of money for the rights to the World Cup and now FIFA, as I understand it, looking for more money for the the Women's World Cup rights. And the broadcasting companies in different countries are saying, hey, you know, we've we've paid a lot of money for World Cup rights already and now you're asking more. And FIFA are coming back with, well, you're undervaluing it. We're not going to give you full rights. And how's that going to pan out? I don't know how that's going to pan out, Dave. Gee.
0: I think it's way above our big grid.
1: It is, it is, but it's an interesting concept that women's football is valued differently today than it was yesterday and the year before that and so forth. And it will keep growing. I mean, look at yeah. the recent UEFA Champions League semi finals.
0: Yeah. That um, was amazing.
1: Oh, Chelsea and Barcelona and. Arsenal and and Wolfsburg matches, um, 60,000 people plus in attendance. Um, It's fantastic. It's it's just crazy, but good crazy, that we're able to watch, participate, have the opportunity to see the the games that we love more often. Um, You can go to a place now and you can watch men's football, women's football, and people will talk about it and they'll be wearing shirts of men's and women's. Um, idols and heroes, and yes, yeah, just total immersion in football in some places now. It's super awesome. Yeah,
0: apart from Australia, we need to give it a good kick up the, uh, yeah. you know, that bit. Because there's just not enough uh, excitement about the game here.
1: Well, we've got a handful of guests today and maybe we can draw some answers out of them, Dave, if we don't have it (laughs) below our pay grade. Maybe it's in their pay grade. We're going to have a chat to Jamie Harnwell, the CEO of Football West. We're going to have a chat to Abid Imam, who was with Football West and probably will go back to being with Football West. But at the moment, he's doing work with FIFA as their Women's World Cup volunteer and workforce manager. So no doubt he will have a lot on his hands organising whatever is happening in the Perth space we can have a chat to Greg Farrell, Zubiaco NPLW coach and coaching director for Futsal WA. And Phil Kelly, the Men's State League Standing Committee Chair. Phil keeps his ear to the ground. He's always got lots of useful insights and uh, news to share with us there. So lots to talk about. We'll go to a break and we'll come back and chat more football. Uh, I did have to mention this kind of... I don't know, trivia but exciting. Sam Kerr is on the invite list to the coronation of the king. I just is thought she? that was so crazy. It's like I wonder what she personally thinks about that. And uh, <laughs> You know, and it's, an Australian is going to the coronation and what do us as Australians think about the, the whole monarchy thing and is it more in England, you know, the whole hullabaloo about it than it is here? I remember when uh, Di and Charles came here in 1985, and they drove from Perth to Fremantle along Canning Highway, and the streets were lined with royalists. I was there. It was (laughs) packed. They closed off the road the limousine and all their fanfare went along there. I wonder if the same thing would happen if Charles came here now and they closed off the roads from Perth to Fremantle. Would there be a whole stack of people with...
0: I reckon there will be. It's just
1: incredible, the whole monarchy thing, and Sam Kerr's... Got a ticket to attend? Yeah,
0: that's
1: good. <laughs> Fit that into your program, Sam. I yeah. <laughs> oh, wish you'd mentioned a few other things, Sue, which are very important. Napoli crowned Serie A champions for the first time in 33 years. Yeah, I'm sure there was wild celebrations in I'll Italy after that, that one. That
0: was yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, Wrexham <clears> have <throat> been promoted. Yes. Um, and uh Ryan Boys. Reynolds? Yeah, yeah. Who's this offside? Is it?
0: Michael. It, it's not the
1: Ant-Man guy is it Is it the Ant-Man guy is it, is it, uh, I don't know I just, not sure. I just think of Rexham And I think of Ryan Reynolds Because his, his face is the one That keeps appearing all over the Newspaper yep. stuff um, And going into Finals week for the A-League last night Adelaide defeated Wellington Phoenix Yep um, And tonight we've got the Derby um, West Sydney Wanderers And Sydney Sydney okay. FC yeah. More games next week there's lots yeah. to talk about. I'm sure we'll fill in between all of our guests, but uh, jump in at any time and, and yeah, break well, my stride, Dave. Uh,
0: just in Scotland, uh, good old Dundee mm-hmm. FC uh, got promoted last night to beat Queens Park five three. So <laughs> quite an exciting game, and by all the by all accounts, the the um, you know it was just end to end stuff, a proper game of football, you know.
1: You watch it on streaming or the Scottish football? No, I football?
0: didn't. I didn't. I've yet to do that. Yep. I'll get it done maybe uh, tomorrow.
1: Yep. <laughs> I think it's uh, pretty amazing that we have all these conversations, all this opportunity to watch football now in different services. And uh, I'm at work and I'll have a customer come in and he'll be wearing a soccer shirt yeah, or a football shirt and, uh, and I'll strike up a conversation with him or I'll be out on site and the customer will be talking while I'm measuring <coughs> up a gate or something and and they'll talk about Sam Kerr and they'll talk about uh, Angie Postacoglu and I'm like, this is pretty cool, we're having a soccer conversation just while I'm actually working it. Yeah. It's great, the world yeah. game.
0: Absolutely. And there was a female, the women's game last night, Arsenal beat Leicester 1-0. Uh, so that's, you know, we were just talking about the top end yep. playing too much football or playing a lot of football. Yes. And... Uh, Here's a Friday night game and they'll probably be playing again on Monday. Yeah.
2: Yep. Yeah.
1: It means a lot of money will eventually be going into football on more of an equal basis because if you say have I don't know, 20 players in a, in a squad in Women's Super League in England, UK and um, they compete in two more international competitions a year than they did five years ago so they have to take on more players that yep. can be at that level of football, so the budget for the club is more. Yeah. Um, so, you know, membership to the club might increase or rights might be a bit more expanded for that league uh, across, you know, wherever. So, you know, all this money and business opportunities and yeah. it's just that the whole, you know, beast moves on, Dave.
0: Yeah, but, you know, uh, I, I must admit, I, I like watching the women's football and uh, they seem to do it without fear. They're just willing to have a go, you know, take a pot at it, and uh, it just makes that that little bit more exciting. Some some of the men's football, it's like mechanical. It's
1: <laughs> interesting.
0: It's they, they they work it out down to t. You know, yep. Everyone has their own job to do. Yep. If you don't do it, you're not playing next week, sort of thing. You know, it's uh, yep. Pretty tough.
1: We are going to go to a break. And we will come back and chat more football. That's what we're here for until 12 o'clock. So keep listening in on the World Football Program. Back shortly.
3: 107.9 FM, your local station.
4: 107.9 FM. Hey, hey, it's Futsal WA, the leading football organisation in Western Australia. With continually growing men's, women's and junior competitions for any ability levels all year and all around Perth, Futsal WA also provides elite development pathways and competitions for juniors, youth and seniors. The fun, fast-paced social aspect of the game could be the perfect fit for you. To enter a team or to find out more, contact us on 0432 745 140 or simply at www.futsalwa.org.au.
1: Gate and Fence Hardware WA, your one-stop shop for all Gate and Fence Hardware components, wrought iron, automation and electronic gate security. We can offer great advice and solutions for your project. Trade and layman welcome. Hardware shipped all over Australia. Contact the team on 9258 6822 or shop online at gateandfencehardware.com.au. Station sponsor.
4: Everybody has goals. Whether it's learning a new skill or passing on knowledge, making new friends,
5: is it finding a career path or reaching your full potential?
1: Chase your goals. See where football can take you. Welcome back to the World Football Program. Penn and Dave in the studio and Football West CEO Jamie Hamwell on the line. Good morning, Jamie.
0: Good morning, guys. Good morning, Jamie.
1: Thanks for joining us. What's on your agenda for this weekend, Jamie? N- nothing football, is it?
3: No, no, of course not. Um, <laughs> there wouldn't be anything like that. Uh, I've actually got a basketball game I've got to go to. but uh, My boy plays as well as, uh, as, well as football and um, probably have a wander up to to Sorrento. It's a big northern derby between them and Olympic Kingsway this afternoon and then junior football tomorrow morning so uh, a busy weekend as usual
1: yes and your daughter plays football too
3: she uh, did she's taken a year off year 12 actually this year Penny, to uh, concentrate on her studies with um I, I get um, with that. supporters so, yep yeah just uh, one of those things at that age that uh, you know you have to try and manage and um, yeah challenging challenging age group all around
2: yeah, yeah
1: kids will come back to it they loved it in the first place jamie
3: Correct. Oh, look, she still watches all the Manchester United games, Matilda's mm. games. They're still very heavily invested in the sport. So looking forward to, her, to hopefully getting back into playing next year.
1: Cool. And speaking of investments, how's the State Football Centre coming along? The grass is looking very green, by the way.
3: It is, isn't it? It's, uh, it's amazing how just uh, some roll on grass completely changes the whole perspective of the site. Um, <laughs> six weeks or so ago, it was looking looking very different, the surround hadn't been uh hadn't been laid either but uh no it's coming on really well um still expecting uh complete um finishing before the before the women's world cup rolls into town um which is which is great as a as a, obviously as a venue specific training site we'll have uh five teams coming through the the venue prior to their their games at perth rectangular stadium uh, and then looking forward to being able to occupy the building very shortly after the women's world cup moves over east and uh and starting to, to roll it out for all of our upcoming cup finals and the like as well.
1: Yeah, really looking forward to that. It's kind of like building the tension. The more it gets delayed, we're like anticipating it more and more, Jamie.
3: It's, it's been a slow burn. It, I mean, when I first uh, started on, on the project geez, nearly three years ago, I suppose, when I was asked to step in, it, it, it just seemed an absolute mile away. Um, things seems to progress really slowly, but... We're, we're certainly at the point here now. Um, staff are starting to be appointed across the, the venue itself, um, the operational plans, event management plans, all those bits and pieces that you don't necessarily think about when you're visualising a, a beautiful new centre are all um, coming very sharply into focus.
1: Very good. Uh, and how are we looking for numbers and growth across Football West? It's been a manic start to the season, I've got to say.
3: Yeah, it's been a challenging challenging start. The, the growth... For, Football West is still there. We're still tracking it well over 10% um, for our traditional registrations. Um, our other programming, our schools and the like, is, is even higher than that. Um, that's been, been really pleasing. It's, um, it's been a challenging start to the year with the introduction of a, of a new competition management system. Um, there's always going to be some, some teething e- issues moving into that, and that was part of the consideration of doing so. Um, we have the likelihood of a new registration platform being rolled out by Football Australia next year we are really very conscious that we didn't want to be rolling out two new systems yeah. in the same year. But the, the team have, have uh, got over the hump, I think. There were some some challenges with fixturing. Um, you know, it's a lot of uh, communication with the clubs to try and make sure that they were uh, aware of what was going on when fixtures would be done by, how to process changes. And it's just the challenges of, one, uh, an ever-expanding sport, but I think uh, partly as well um, the expectations of, of clubs, of people, we, we're getting a lot more... Parents, coaches, uh, even players, contacting us, uh, which then makes it uh, tough to deal with the volume when you're trying to work through the, with the clubs uh, across their requests as well. So the team have done a, a great job; they've put a, a lot of heart, a lot of long hours in um, over the past few weeks, and, and things are just starting to settle down now.
1: What about facilities and new clubs? Can you tell us if there's been growth in the numbers of clubs across? Perth or WA and how are facilities coping with that growth?
3: Uh, look, the facilities are a, a, certainly a stretch. Um, you know, we, we've been trying to engage with the, the local councils and they're, they're obviously very busy and they're the uh, the land ho- landowners for the majority of our of our venues, had some, some good discussions with the uh, City of Stirling and, and others across how we try and manage uh, the ground, what they expect as a... Uh, you know reasonable season and a, and a time frame for changeover and and you know the ever increasing pressure that clubs are putting uh on to try and get access to grounds for longer more grounds and the like we um we've been very conscious and careful about the introduction of of new clubs we you know we changed our, our policy pretty significantly a few years ago um where we would previously almost accept anybody if they had uh fifteen players and uh and a place to play then they could form a club and off they go, but we know that's not a sustainable approach uh, for long-term growth of a, of a club. And so the, the club development team have been working very closely on our Alkamos, uh FC is one that has come in recently and any of these new clubs, especially in more of the outlying suburbs, certainly have challenges with the, the green space that's being provided. The, the developments by uh, real estate uh, companies and, and land developers don't necessarily encompass playing fields uh, specifically these days and a lot more space given to dog walkers or uh just recreational parks so that's a, that's going to be a continuing challenge i think the state government recognizes that they're trying to work with department of education to free up some school labels and, and that sort of space which is a vastly underutilized resource so it's, and, a, it's a and challenge. that's an
1: ongoing uh, conversation too isn't it putting the school space using it for public space or other sporting space that is something we talk about from year to year
3: it is. Uh, and look, just the, the way that the school system is set up with the independent public schools, um, where they manage virtually their own their own site, um, it, it makes it very difficult to have a, a blanket approach. But I've spoken to Minister Templeman uh, about this many times, and, and he's certainly a big believer in that. They're, you know, I live very close to a high school and primary school, and across the weekend, uh, the fields there are uh, completely empty um, and underutilised now this and, challenges across change rooms and, and toilet facilities and the like but uh to have such you know good quality ground not available to to any sports code really not just football is um is probably a little bit of a waste
1: does part of your conversation include talking with other sports to work out how you can use their facilities as well if they're single use grounds
3: yeah we i mean those conversations have, have been ongoing i think um you know, when COVID did hit, one of the positives there was that we really worked um, quite closely with the other sports when we extended our season in 2020, and, and the summer sports uh, agreed to shorten theirs somewhat as well. So there's, there's certainly a, a better approach where, and I suppose we're somewhat different um, than the, the conversations between, say, a footy and cricket. Our, our ground shape is very different. Um, rugby tend to have very specific grounds that they, they operate out of, and, and older clubs were as... Um, we have a proliferation of clubs across across the Perth metropolitan area and across Western Australia um, that just demand more and more space. So it's it's challenging because each sport certainly wants to hold on to their participants. They want to lobby the best for their participants. But we do need to, you know, we do come to the table to try and discuss how best to manage that with uh, with local government.
1: Yeah, I understand that. What about? Um other things that are happening in the football space uh girls day out is something that happens every year where's the, where's that going to land this year
3: yeah uh, girls day out will be part of um female football week this is uh i think this is the first time for, for a number of years that this actually be aligned nationally um previously it has sort of been in each state's discretion as when they would like to hold it but um but football australia have sort of taken the lead and And set that out for May, I think uh, it is. I'll have to check back on the details but we're looking to host that out next to the State Football Centre out at Maniata Park. Um, While we won't be able to give access to the centre, people will certainly be able to see the progress of the build out there and and how close it is coming along to completion and also further builds our our relationship with the City of Canning which is going to be crucial for a a long and successful partnership across uh, the State Football Centre and making sure that uh, the city of canning engage that they that they like having the state football center in their in their vicinity and that the local community really do feel a part of it
2: as well
1: it'll be a test won't it as well if you have other programs besides the girls' day out there like how people are going to get there where they're going to park public transport all that kind of thing
3: yeah look and that's that's part of the work that we're doing at the moment to understand uh, you know the traffic management uh, flows around the venue the the public transport access how that can be managed what other um sites that are nearby that could host car parking um the development of the community fields which hasn't occurred yet but um but we'll do hopefully in the future which can provide overflow parking so the the state football center team are working for all those working very closely with the city of canning to make sure we don't disturb the local residents that uh, there aren't uh, these issues so come uh, august when we we open up um very confident there'll be some some great solutions there and there's going to be some fantastic events. I think the, the first one we've got planned for there is the Junior Girls Cup final uh, day, which is um, you know quite fitting off the back of the Women's World Cup and, and leading into a new centre that we will be able to open the, the centre with, with those games uh, in August.
1: Has there been many organisations approach Football West about events to do with the Women's World Cup? I know the Girls Football Festival, the Community Festival has uh, been one that's lobbed in the July 15 and 16 space, but um, has there been many other organisations go on board with World Cup and trying to factor in something before the World Cup happens?
3: Yeah, there, there has been certainly. The school space is, uh, is crucial for us, and, and we had some good discussions with School Sport WA and, and other other schools that are um, working towards hosting um, lightning carnivals or, or the like. There's there's also interest from you know from co- corporate and commercial the. The challenge for us, of course, is that we don't run the World Cup. That's FIFA. Uh, Tourism WA are leading, so while there's some great ideas and activations that can take place, they're not able to generally take place within the, the official fan festivals and the, you know the official part of uh, what the FIFA World Cup means. So it's, it's a little bit challenging. Um, Tourism WA and DLGSC have been been great leaders of this project, and, and FIFA are, are certainly supportive of whatever we can provide to, um, to support the legacy. Um, we had Madame Fatma and uh, Sarai uh, Barrerman, out, uh, the uh, Dep- uh, General Secretary of FIFA and Chief Women's Football Officer of FIFA, respectively. Um, they managed to catch, catch the sunshine before this weather kicked <laughs> in, so that was good. It gave them a nice uh, nice showcase at Perth. Um, and their message was very clear as well, that they want this tournament to be a, to be a springboard for the game for many, many years to come.
1: How is Perth going to see the Women's World Cup? You and I are talking about it, but we're already converted is there things that Football West are organising or aligning with Tourism WA or, or FIFA to get the message out beyond the converted?
3: Look, I mean, the, the message is already out there. I think there is there is really a, a steadily growing awareness um, across the Women's World Cup, the, um, you know, pre-Christmas and, and with the, the late Men's World Cup. I think, you know, the focus was certainly uh, wasn't on what was going to happen this year, but that's that's definitely changed um, from what I understand around ticket sales. There's some um, 16 to 20 percent of ticket sales for Perth have come from outside of Western Australia. So you know a fair amount of travelling supporters are coming in. Obviously we've got Ireland here, um, which would be fantastic. Um, we're speaking to to tourism and also um, the Chinese Chamber of Commerce of a delegation of over 100 uh, Chinese uh, clubs, associations, etc. Coming to Perth to. To coincide with the, um, with the um, China-Denmark game here, um, we're looking to host Shanghai FA, who we've had a mem- uh, MOU with in the past as well. So there's, there's a lot of things happening in the background. It's, it's hard to keep track of them all at times. It's like having all those spinning plates going around. That you just make sure and trying to go back and, and make sure they're still spinning. But uh, really exciting couple of months coming up and, and uh, the fan festival um, at Forest Place is going to be fantastic. And I know um, Tourism WA are going to do a great job. In uh, in really promoting this this fantastic event,
1: and there's a lot of things I want to ask you, but there's just a couple more more things that people have prompted me about the the grading concept that's been introduced this year. How's that working for Football West? Uh,
3: look, I think across the you know it was a it was a necessary uh, thing to do in the women's league with the restructure based off our review last year. It was going to be very difficult to try and place teams based on on what we thought, uh, so that was certainly required it it's it certainly had some challenges um and it will do uh you know for the, the refixing that'll occur uh this week i believe once those results are in uh, but that's something that you know we won't have to do again probably um the masters grading has had mixed reviews i must admit it was something that uh, we received uh, a lot of uh, questions and, and complaints about each year for teams being allocated into different divisions um no one seems to want to play in the top division for some reason. They they all want to play in Division 2 or 3. So that's certainly had its challenges, but we've uh, we've worked through those. I'm uh, very confident we'll have the, the fixtures out for the Masters for the rest of the season on uh, on Monday afternoon.
1: And did you want to give out your number in case clubs want to call about that? <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> I've had enough messages and, and what have you to, to know. And, and look, speaking to people, that I love the Masters part of the, part of the game. I go down and watch... Uh, few Masters games when I came because I think it's hilarious uh, but it is, it, it's is—it's challenging it's always been a challenging because people want to enjoy themselves some want to be competitive some just want to have a social kick about so to try and find that balance across a number of clubs and, a, and even a number of uh, players within the, the same team have very different ideas about what they're playing for so yeah. it's, uh, it's an enjoyable part of the game but it does take a bit of uh, hands-on management to do yeah,
2: um, yeah
0: it's quite abusive actually yeah <laughs> 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 You know, you're out there trying to do your best and you're just a bit old and uh, some young guy goes whizzing past you and you think, bloody hell, I need to catch this <laughs> fella, you know. And, uh, and there's the a few holes come out there, I can tell you, it gets a bit fiery. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: Jamie, I, I know that you have to go, so we'll leave it there. I really appreciate your time. Um, we'll um, catch up with you another time, okay?
0: Yes, absolutely, my pleasure.
1: Good on you. Thanks, Jamie.
0: Cheers, Jamie. Bye. Bye. Bye.
1: That was Jamie Hanwell, the CEO of Football West, bringing us up to date on, on what's happening there. I think the most banter that's been around in the last couple of weeks has been about this grading that's been happening yeah. and how it's happening and oof, refixturing and changes. But you know, this is, is this a normal pre-season or a normal start to a season in the amateur side of football where people don't fall in the right places and they want to be in the right places and they're gathering their numbers and postponing and changing. It just Isn't that normal it's, start it's, to a it's season?
0: normal. It's just the way it goes. Craziness yeah, just varies
1: then, the depth and degree and yeah,
0: breadth. And it, and, it, it, it works within the, the, the junior side of the game as well. Uh, it's difficult because you yep. get teams winning 10-0 yep. and higher. And... Uh, Where do they go, you know? And some coaches are not happy to accept the fact that their team is maybe in the wrong division, either at the high end, the high-scoring end, or the low-scoring end.
2: Yep.
1: And fortunately, for the more, shall I say, dare I say, the more organised parts of our game, which are the professional and semi-professional parts, they're dedicated. They have their squads. They have their tiers of football. They know when their fixtures are going to be. Um, you know it's all sorted it's just uh, in the amateur and social and junior parts of our game we just uh, we need to go suck it in and there's going to be a a bit of change happening
0: well absolutely and I think it probably does need a bit of changing
1: so we all fall in the right place Yeah, you'd like to think we fall in the right place a bit more each year and we don't have so much challenge yeah
0: the the trouble is uh, clubs and teams coming in and falling out and they don't know how it all works and it can be extremely difficult for them.
1: I like what Jamie said about changing the policy about new clubs coming into the yeah. competitions and that changing. that That's good that they're keeping an eye on that and making sure that no one area is overloaded or yep. they're not pulling apart other clubs when they form new clubs. I mean, yeah. all that infrastructure is really important to manage, especially like Jamie said about the COVID year when we had to changed that season i think we started later and therefore we impacted on other sports yeah. therefore everybody had to talk about it and had to work with the same resources yeah that was probably a, a good platform to yeah. Yeah. That,
0: and that brought in uh night games as well which i think makes a big difference it, it uh, changes the, the the two nights a week training down to maybe no training in midweek, but you've got yeah. a game. Yep. The only problem is finding somewhere that's got lights yep. or ground sharing, uh for that yep. specific one or two games. And we're sort of lucky at, uh, up at Mum. We've got two synthetic pitches with excellent lighting when we we did allow people to come on and play up, yep. uh, play games to, to get their leagues finished in time before the council shut them down.
1: And Winthrop... Increase their lighting capacity and they've got the new facilities there which are hopefully going to be open on sunday which is amazing and that happened all through the covid period so it'd be great to find out if your club out there has gone through the same structural changes with facilities and lighting upgrades it's it's good to share these kind of things and the impact on other clubs in the public open space and where the different sports have seen those facilities upgrades because they've happened because of soccer or they've happened because of multiple sports using the same facility and the council has gone, well, okay, there's lots of different sports using that facility together. We must upgrade for it or soccer has pushed the barrow and done it for their cause. I'd be really interested to know how they've gone about it and and how many clubs have have got those upgrades during the last uh, two or three years. Well,
0: in in the the Melville Shire alone, there's something like 48 uh, facilities that need upgrading. Yeah. 48, you know, and it's probably a million bucks each. Maybe even more. It's crazy. Because you've got to put in uh, the, the changing facilities for uh, um, male and female. You've also got to put in disabled toilets yep. where people can actually get into. Yep. Uh, and uh, it's just huge.
1: It is. We're going to go to a break and we'll come back and chat more football after this with Abid Imam from FIFA. This is Penn and Dave. You're listening to the World Football Programme.
3: Ronaldo,
5: Wayne Rooney,
3: Verón. Hi, I'm Peter Skeeler. Everyone seems to think I'm the ultimate wingman and full of helpful information. It's true, I am. My passion is trivia and Australian football statistics. Check out a-leaguestats.com, my website, where you can follow all the stats and results from the men's and women's A-leagues from the beginning of time, or at least 2005 and 2008 respectively. You're listening into to the World Football Programme on Radio Fremantle, and we appreciate you tuning in.
2: Greatness is all around us. On pitches, fields,
4: and playgrounds. At home and far away. It lives in the past,
1: and it's in the faces we look up to, and in those we see every day. Greatness is all around us.
4: It takes us beyond limitations, beyond possibility, beyond doubt. Beyond expectations. The only question is, where will it take us next?
1: Welcome back to the World Football Program. Penn and Dave in the driving seats today. And our guest online is Abid Imam, FIFA volunteer and workforce manager. Did I get that around the correct way, Abid?
6: Yeah, you did. You did. So uh, very good morning to you, Penn and, and Dave and the listener. Good morning, um, yeah, so I'm, I've got that role for first ball loose. Uh, so very excited. and um, Here we go, 70-odd days to go now.
1: Yeah, not yeah. not long. We were just talking about the State Football Centre and uh, appreciating the grass is green, but it's got to have other things around that grass to <laughs> be <laughs> operational. <laughs> Fingers crossed with that one.
6: Absolutely, yeah. So that's one of our venue-specific training sites. So um, before match day, one of the competing teams will be using that to... Uh, Sharpen their tools and get ready for the the big match the day after.
2: How
1: long before matches will teams be landing in Perth? Do you know?
6: Um, it, it it varies. Uh, as we know, there's two teams here that are using Perth as um, a base camp. So with Haiti, that will be at Sorrento and Denmark in um, Kingsway. So uh, Olympic Kingsway's home ground. So it will vary. You know, teams have their different ways of doing things, and uh, that's what our organising. is uh getting ready for you know making sure that they have a a smooth stay and across all the training sites everything's there for them so yeah that that answers your question it's um it's all across the board penny
1: yep yep There's there's a lot happening and we were just talking to jamie about the the new um management system that's been introduced this year and the grading system that's been introduced causing a lot of uh conversations and challenges but uh, it's you know it's the, the pre-season it's it's what happens at, not necessarily pre-season but the beginning of a season um, everybody's got lots on their plate just like you have lots on your plate in 70 days or so the World Cup lands and uh, there's a lot on your plate young man
6: There is Penny and uh, right now we're really immersed in working with our wonderful team of FIFA volunteers locally here there'll be about 400 uh, on the team, and I'm really excited that you're one of them. When I saw your name come across, then, thank you. I'm excited uh, too. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's awesome to have yourself as someone who's so involved and um, huge, huge person in WA football, and and uh, great to see people from our local clubs as well get involved. And right now, we're sending role offers to those who have been uh, fortunate enough to uh, go through the process and and be successful. So. Um, you know, while it's 70-something 70, 70 days to the first match in Sydney and Auckland, there are teams who will be arriving much earlier and a lot of activities beforehand, so it's even less time. But uh, for the volunteer program, I think it would be really great to connect our football community, sports-loving community to see what's going on behind the scenes for a FIFA Women's World Cup.
1: That's one of the things that I'm really looking forward to. And dare I say it, this part about the sport really uh, it really um, gives me inspiration where I can meet people outside of my local environment and talk about their experiences in football and look as a as a media person a bit and Dave I love sharing those stories I I don't necessarily have to talk I mean I do talk I'm I'm good at talking (laughs) but I like to hear other people talk about their experiences and then share them and just see what happens from there does it make someone else's life better are they inspired to do something Um, you know whatever it is I I love that a bit
6: That's it, Pen. And you know, um, anyone who's been to World Cups or big events like that, um, I'm I'm an addict myself. I've been to this will be fifth FIFA World Cup. And the big thing is, the matches are ninety minutes or or plus plus and minus you know extra time. But um, it's that time off the field and those hours that you get to speak with people from different countries and different backgrounds about that common love for football and that invisible work. Of the friendships that are forged and those memories. So, yeah, I'm really excited that that can come to our city first, uh, Borloo, and, and we can have the visitors from the Denmark's and the Haiti's and Canada and Ireland and all the great countries that will be um, fortunate to play here.
1: Now, I just did my math. Did you say five World Cups you've been to?
6: <clears throat> I'm, I'm already <laughs> counting this World Cup, so maybe I'm a bit <laughs> presumptuous. But, yeah.
1: You're a bit of a baby. <laughs>
6: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, no, I have. I've been really lucky. It's something that I, I love so much—the World Cups—and it's almost like the United Nations, but a festival of football. You know, and uh, when you come from Australia, where you know you have to wake up at three AM to watch the big games in the Champions League and finals, to actually be in a place where the World Cup is happening is really surreal. And you, you're in a place where football is number one, and uh, you know sometimes here where we're fighting for that, so. Uh, to have that feeling it's, when you're an Australian uh, over there, it's the best thing ever.
0: Yeah. yeah. When you say you've been to five World Cups, is that all men's or? Uh, yeah,
6: at the moment, men's. I have been to a women's uh, final in Rio at uh, the Maracana Stadium, and I got to see the Matildas play Canada in Sao Paulo as well, which was really amazing. Um, unfortunately, Matildas lost to Brazil on penalties yeah. in that uh, Olympic quarterfinal. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, that, that was magical. So this will be my first uh, Women's World Cup and can't wait, absolutely can't wait for the, the vibe.
1: What's the uh, fans here in Perth got, uh, what do they have to look forward to in the lead-up? So between now and when World Cup lands in July, what is going to be happening that we can inspire them to get along to?
6: Yeah, it's a really good question. Um, there, there'll be some news to come out soon about the trophy tour, uh, so the trophy tour is happening across the world at the moment, um, travelling across some of the big cities, uh, competing nations, and it will be coming to Perth uh, much closer to kick off. So there'll be opportunities for our local residents and even regional residents. So it'll be going to parts of regional WA. Uh, Tourism WA being amazing and uh, looking after these types of initiatives to get everyone excited. Uh, even this week. Jamie might have mentioned it earlier, but uh, to have the FIFA Secretary-General, um, Madame Fatma Samura, and having Sarai Berman, the Chief Women's Football Officer, in Perth, and getting to actually get out to grassroots clubs. They were they were out there a couple of nights ago delivering a game-changer certificate, the new Football Australia Club Development Program, and engaging with Mini Roo's players. And, and that was really wholesome, so that was great to see. Uh, so, yeah, definitely get get excited by the trophy tour uh, the fifa fan festival will be a really good way for those who uh, might already have tickets or don't have tickets to some matches to get out and watch other matches and support in a in a good environment good uh, fan festival environment so those are some of the things and there'll be more as well as as we get closer
1: do we think that the teams will present role models, players, officials, to the local community to engage in some of those things that you've been talking about?
6: Without knowing the exact schedules for some of these teams, and of course, uh, their number one priority is this is the biggest thing in their lives, their careers, to be focused on yes. delivering for their countries. Um, absolutely, there will hopefully be some opportunities for fans to get up close and, and hopefully interact with players. But I... I don't know exact schedules and there's others working on those types of things right now, but, uh, you know, that would be a lovely thing and especially for those young players to be inspired and to meet those heroes.
1: Down in Fremantle, I've mentioned this a a few times, there's a real estate uh, group called Scoop Property and on the side of their wall is the Sam Kerr painting. I don't know if you've seen that. I might have mentioned that one to you before. I would love to see more of that around Perth, like big banners, posters on the side of bus stops and stuff like that. Do you reckon we're going to see that? You, did you put a word into someone about that a bit?
6: <laughs> How awesome is that um, mural, by the way? It's so good, isn't it? Yes. It's, uh, um, yeah, and I mentioned it to Sarai uh, Barronen, who's, yeah, the chief women's football officer at FIFA, and she was like, yeah, I'd love to see it myself. And I, I've seen that FIFA, uh, FIFA Plus, uh, the, the channel for uh, media content for FIFA, They've done a little story on Sam Kerr, and and they have showcased the mural in parts of it as well. So nice. they're they're aware of it. Uh, of course, it would be amazing to have more of these things. So watch this space. I'm sure there's there's some uh, something in the works, Penny. That that will happen.
1: Nice. Now let's talk about uh, tickets. Us. What can you tell us uh, about how things are going?
6: Um, of the 64 matches. Uh, for the whole tournament across Australia and New Zealand. We've got five here in uh, Perth Rectangular Stadium, also now known as HBF Park or Perth Oval, for those who have uh, been there before. And, uh, yeah, there's, there's been a $35 million upgrade for so the stadiums now good to go. And, and the five games that we've got, when you actually look at the list, it's, it's actually really exciting. So the first match is Denmark-China um, on a Saturday night. And, and you can only imagine... With the, the Chinese support, being in that time zone as well, there's going to be a lot of eyeballs on that match. And that one is, we encourage everyone to check out fifa.com slash tickets to uh, just keep up to date with it and, and more tranches of tickets could come online. Uh, the second game for us is Canada Island, which is going to be an absolute delta. We've got, you know, Olympic champions versus Ireland to their World Cup debut. And uh, we know that there's going to be a really strong Irish contingent here on a Wednesday night. So... Going to be a big night in Perth on yep. the Wednesday, uh, and then our third game, Denmark Haiti, is interesting because both of those teams will be based here in Perth, Ballu, which means there will be a, a local connection and um, and there will be that that element to it. Uh, we've also got uh, uh, Panama Jamaica on a Saturday night, so I think that's our third game actually. Yep, that will be that's a fantastic one because Saturday night football, eight thirty kickoff. Let's see how we go. Jamaica, the reggae girls, and led by Kadisha Shaw from Manchester City, a great player. And then um, we rounded off with Morocco, Colombia, which also is having some strong ticket sales with the uh, you know the South American contingent here in Perth. And great to see that passion. So those are the games, and some of them, yeah, you actually can't get tickets right now, but definitely encourage people to keep checking on fifa.com/tickets. Usually, much closer to the tournament, there will be some. Some more opportunities as well, so it is really encouraging. To see a, a bit. the sales being strong.
2: How,
1: how does that work with the tickets? So you you said or you indicated that maybe some of those games are sold out, but there might be more round offers. Is that because um, there's uh, people buy them in groups and there's like one or two in between the groups, so that they kind of they FIFA have a look at that and then they go, okay, we're selling these particular round of tickets now with isolated pockets. Is that how it goes?
6: Yeah, it's a combination of factors, Pen, and uh, one of them is, you know, with FIFA's partners, there's uh, an allocation that goes to them and the participating member associations, uh, different requirements for different uh, client groups. So when FIFA has a better understanding on um, uh, who will be using those tickets, then they can potentially go back on sale to the general public. So that's generally uh, an overview of how it works. There's a lot more intricacies and um, things that they have to work through but that gives a bit of an overview
1: So there will be more rounds coming out once they've kind of worked through those factors so if you wanted to go yourself for example there might be uh, isolated uh, tickets um, still to become available
6: Yeah we are currently in the last minute sales phase and uh, you know with Men's World Cups and and these tournaments as well yeah, much closer to kick off you could see um, an allocation come available again and, and that's why it is best to keep um, checking as, as you can for the games that you're interested in uh, for the fans, yeah.
1: Okay, we'll put that up on our world football page, yeah. fifa.com slash tickets, so that um, people can yeah keep on top of that. Um, uh, what else should we be talking about with the World Cup landing in Perth and um, volunteer and workforce management a bit?
6: Well, um, for those who have signed up to be a volunteer, we're looking forward to catching up with everyone through the training that will be occurring. We've got uh, venue training much closer to uh, tournament time at the stadium and different uh, sites where the, the roles will be taking place, airports, training sites and hotels. There's quite a tournament footprint in Perth, Borloo. But um, across the board, I just got to say, uh, this is a wonderful opportunity to get involved and as, as we mentioned with tickets, you know, this is the time to secure them if you can. Uh, get involved early because once that tournament kicks off and hopefully it'll be a fantastic kickoff that Eden Park and Stadium Australia, uh, Australia and New Zealand and the general public will really get behind it and uh, now's the time to really secure your seat so you don't miss out. That's the big message. Yep,
1: a- absolutely and look, we'll get you on as much as we can and we- we've engaging with some other uh, people around Australia to give some hype to the Women's World Cup, um, wherever it is, not just here in Perth. Of course, we want to get the exposure out there as much as we can and talk about it. It's a, it's a big deal. We've got yeah. a World Cup coming to Australia. It's yeah, absolutely. A, it's the first World Cup that's landed in Australia. It'd yeah. It'd be great to get a Men's World Cup here too. would oh. be super awesome? Whew. Yeah. Looking forward <laughs> to it all a bit. Thanks so much for joining us. Really do appreciate it. And I hope you get some time, uh, non-football, to you know have you a-bid time. During the weekend <laughs>
6: <laughs> Thank you Thank you for supporting the tournament And uh, yeah Look forward to catching up As we get closer We go beyond greatness See yep. everyone Good
1: one bye. See you later
6: bye bye, bye bye
1: That was Abid Imam FIFA volunteer And workforce manager Man that is one Hell of a long title Yeah
0: And it's uh, I think it'll be quite a job mm-hmm. uh, He's going to be a busy boy Until
1: Yep <laughs> he, He's going to be a, a very busy lad
0: yeah, mm. so I wonder if he actually goes across to to the eastern states and helps out there after things are finished here or is he just Perth, sort of Perth-based?
1: I don't know. I, I reckon he'd be doing a little bit of travel uh, at the meantime just to find out how other states are coordinating and organising their activities yeah. and how it's coming yeah. along and making sure that everything's going to work nicely here. I, I'm quite excited by the fan festival that keeps getting dropped into conversations yeah. but yeah. I, I can't pin down... Like dates and places and stuff like that. So, yeah, I'm really looking when forward it's to that. That's
0: going to be. Yeah.
1: And a trophy tour.
0: Mm. Yeah. But so uh, it's bound to be in the centre of town.
1: Yeah, Forest Place, I think yeah. you said. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's the place to be. So we'll um, make sure we keep talking about that closer to whenever it is Yeah. and put it up on the website as well. Uh, but like I said, there's uh, one, two, three, four, five matches that are happening. First one is 22nd of July. Group D, Group B, Group F, B, and H—a real variety of games that are happening here. Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah.
1: And if you know anyone that's going, and you know, make sure you keep close to them because if they can't go for some reason, you might snatch
2: <laughs> the tickets. <laughs> yeah.
1: And well done to all the people that volunteered to help. Over uh, four hundred people on board.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really good. Yeah. It's a great opportunity.
1: It's massive. Yeah. Let's let's talk a, a bit of local football before we get Greg on the line. Uh, fixtures and so forth and i did want to mention too that uh, women women on side uh, a national organization to advocate and support women in football and leadership and administration and, and growth in that space are having a conference coming up on the 25th of may it's an online event it's going to involve people like ray dower and kate jackowitz joe fernandez you might know some of those names Um, So if you're interested in that, it's called the Women in Football Leadership Conference, 25th of May, 10am to 2pm. That's Eastern Standard Time. And you can find that online. Just type in Women Onside to your browser and it will come up with that. It is also... On the world football page, as a little bit of promotion there, and the yep. womenssoccer.com.au dot com. au website, which Nick Templeman is doing some work on that website, so watch that space.
0: Okay, should be good.
1: Yes, absolutely. Yeah. What have you got for us, Dave? Um, what, what's the matches of the round? The Mamma Mamma having a match of the round in their division, aren't they?
0: This the yeah top game today against the Western Knights. But uh, firstly. And the NPL men last weekend, uh, Kingsway, yep. had a, an amazing win against uh, Perth, uh, 5 0. And um, Englewood. Um, is that a misprint? I don't know. Th- I- there's a very high score against uh, Sorrento. I think it's 1 1, actually. Um, <coughs> Perth Glory. Uh, had uh, a 5-4 win against uh, uh, Coburn.
1: High scoring game?
0: Yeah. And Great uh,
1: for the fans to watch that one.
0: Red Star beat uh, Balkara Etna uh, and uh, Armadale beat uh, Florid Athena. Bayswater beat Stirling Macedonia. And also
1: uh, And Abid's just confirmed that the fan festival will be at Forest place and it's open throughout tournament match days. That will be talked about again and again, so watch out for that. Thanks a bit.
0: Yeah, good. Uh, mm-hmm. so today's games uh, all uh, three three o'clock kickoffs: offs. Berth V Stirling, Macedonia, Bayswater versus uh, Florida at Athena, Armadale versus Belkara, Colburn versus Inglewood, uh, Sorrento versus Kingsway Olympic, which uh, uh, Mr. Yeah. Harnwell mentioned uh, Perth Red Star versus Perth Glory.
1: And, so that's and the and the table at the moment. Red Star are sitting on top. Bayswater, Perth Glory, Perth Soccer Club, Armadale, Fluriet, Sterling Lions, Mastonia, uh, balcata Coburn, Sorrento, Ingwood, and Olympic, who were newly promoted, are sitting on the bottom of the table. Yet to express their potential. Yeah,
0: I oh, I think it's a, a tight. Uh, points margin from top to bottom, actually. Yep. Yeah, we're
1: only into round six, so yep. a fair whack of the season to go. I think we'll talk about State League football when we have Phil on the line.
0: OK, yeah. Yep. and
1: we'll probably talk about uh, NPLW football when we get Greg on the line very shortly.
0: OK. That's...
1: Um, what else have you got to present to us, Dave? Let's talk about the A-League. Let's talk about the A-League, shall yeah. we? Yeah. Yeah, so um, the table finished with... Um, Melbourne City on top, uh, Central Coast, then Adelaide, Western Sydney Wanderers, Sydney FC and Wellington Phoenix in the top six. And Adelaide played Wellington Phoenix last night. That was a 2-0 win to Adelaide. And tonight's game is the Derby. Derby? Derby? I'm going to say Derby.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, Western Sydney Wanderers and Sydney FC are playing. And I'm not sure if that's on free to wear on 10 play, but I'm going to guess that it will be definitely on paramount and i resisted for a long time but i've signed to paramount because i want to watch the football yeah and then the semi-finals kick in next week um
0: that is last
1: th- week's results last okay. week's results uh for the games which was the last round was perth glory lost to western united two one uh, melbourne victory lost to brisbane raw one 0 wellington phoenix beat macarthur Uh, Sydney and Newcastle Jets was a nil-all draw, Adelaide lost to Central Coast 4-1 and Melbourne City defeated Western Sydney Wanderers 3-2 crowds range from about 12,000 at the Adelaide game to, well zero at Melbourne Victories game
0: yeah there is uh, um, an interesting thing that has come about just, which wasn't advertised that well, was the three strike policy have you heard a lot about it?
1: For the A-League?
0: No, for... Of oh, uh, the
1: local football? Yeah. Absolutely. Is that juniors or is that introduced right across the board now?
0: Uh, as far as I'm, I believe it's in the junior ranks at the moment. Yeah, but, yeah, uh, definitely.
1: disciplinary mm-hmm. measures to try and um, encourage clubs to foster good culture and respect yeah. with their members... And that that helps ground marshals at games as well too. I mean, if you've got overriding policies from the organisation, then ground marshals marshals can refer back to that when people start to get a bit unruly. It's not just the club doing this, it's the whole association. We want you to have better respect for everyone.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, three strikes, meaning that the third strike can mean that the whole club gets penalised. That's and, right. And lose points yep. and lose trophies and
1: Yep, absolutely. You know, and so so the club would really want to impress upon their membership to do the right thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: So education. It's about prevention, right? Well, we it don't is. want the bad behaviour to occur. Yeah. We don't want it to occur and then go, Okay, we're gonna get disciplined. We want the club to be preventative and educate their membership, put it in their policies, their guidelines, put signs up, talk about it yeah whatever to educate
0: I think you know each club is a responsibility of to to look after their their own bad behavior and and have policies in place and people in place to to stamp it out
1: yeah and we're not um, talking just about um, parents and officials having bad behavior we're talking about kids as well yeah. I mean, the kids have to I mean they, they look at the adults and they'll mimic behavior
2: absolutely
1: – if they're not, um, uh, they're not guided, then they'll just express behaviours and then they'll have to be told. So, you know, we've all got to be role models to ourselves and each yeah, other and the kids absolutely. as
0: well. But yeah. it, it, it's down to the coaches as well, you know, the, some of the behaviour goes on. It's, uh...
1: Wow, it's across the board. Thanks, Phil. Sadly, the first strike was given to Dinella a few weeks ago in State League. Okay. There you go. We are going to talk more about that when Phil's on later. Thanks for listening in, Phil.
0: Yeah, well done, Phil.
1: I'm very happy with that, actually.
0: Yeah.
1: Because after that referee attack uh, earlier this week and in Sydney, when that guy got – it was in hospital and I think it was a grievous bodily harm the guy got charged with and he's been remanded. Um, That's awful. You you don't want that to happen. We need referees. We need officials. We need volunteers in the game. So we we can't do without them. We've got to – Act as human beings. Just that aggression that comes out in the white line fever with any sport sometimes, Dave. It's crazy. It is. We've got to pull our kids in, we've got to pull our mates in, we've got to pull other people in, even if we don't know them. We've got to somehow figure out how to approach people in some kind of gentle and patient way that isn't violent and aggressive, like the behaviour they're displaying and just to calm down, yeah. you know, we've got to be here and do the right thing for the kids and the other adults that are playing the sport. It's really hard to do that, right, not respond in the same aggressive way, and that's why conflict and arguments and uh, punch-ups and all you know, this right occurs, because the eye for an eye.
0: Yeah, Whew. absolutely. It's hard. hard. Very hard. Mm. Anyway, thanks very much, Phil, for uh, keeping us right here. Yeah.
1: Good one. I think we'll go to a break and we'll come back and we'll chat with Greg Farrell, who is ready to have a chat to us. This is Penn and Dave on the World Football Program. Thank you for listening in and keep on listening in.
6: Radio Radio
3: Fremantle, Fremantle, 107.9 FM.
1: You're listening to the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle. We are proud to be the longest-running football show on radio in Australia. Join myself, Penny tanner Pete Skeller, Sean Kelly and Hugh Best every Saturday morning in the 10am to noon space. You will hear football conversations with a range of guests and gurus. The show lands as a podcast on our website and you can subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Thanks for listening in to the World Football Programme.
4: Hey, hey, it's Futsal WA, the leading futsal organisation in Western Australia. With continually growing men's, women's and junior competitions for any ability levels all year and all around Perth, Futsal WA also provides elite development pathways and competitions for juniors, youth and seniors. The fun, fast-paced social aspect of the game could be the perfect fit for you. To enter a team or to find out more, contact us on 0432 745 140 or simply at www.futsal.com. Futsalwa.org.au.
0: Later.
1: <laughs> Welcome back to the World Football Program. We're chatting off air as usual. Nothing can hold us back. You've got Penn and Dave on the World Football Program and Greg Farrell joining us from Subiaco and Futsal WA. Good morning, Greg.
0: Morning, Greg.
7: Good morning, guys.
1: Thanks for joining us and all your support. I really do appreciate that. How's things in, in the world of Futsal WA?
7: Yeah, everything's going very well. Um, we actually have a. It, it might sound a little strange—a weekend off. Um, <laughs> still, not really one hundred percent sure what to do with myself. But <laughs> um, we we actually just finished all of the the Super League uh, Grand Finals last weekend, um, and we've got presentation night coming up in a couple of weeks. But. This weekend and next weekend, there's a little bit of downtime. I am doing my uh, FFA B Diploma starting during the week. So I guess that will make up for the fact that I have had a few hours off today. But, um, You're talking yeah, about your co-
1: been, coaching accreditation, aren't you? Yeah,
7: yeah. The, nice. The B, uh, I think it's been renamed the B Diploma. Okay. Um, so that'll be a big week coming up this week. Um, but I guess, yeah, it's... With, with everything futsal, it's um, moving into the winter seasons. We'll have have a couple of weeks off, like I said, the presentation night for the summer season, celebrate everything that that occurred and um, have a little bit of a recess and then go again for the winter season.
1: Yeah, time off. Whew. I don't think I've ever spoken to you when you've had time off. <laughs>
7: <laughs> no, it's, it's a little foreign, so we'll, we'll see how we go.
1: Yeah, wow. I guess that means a lot of thinking time where you're not actually, you know, you've got your hands and your feet engaged doing things. You can just uh, go, oh, yeah, I can't think about this now and consider what we need to do and how things have gone and so forth.
7: Yeah, certainly. There's always things that can be done. We're looking at upgrading um, software and hardware for live stream matches in our Super League. We live stream every men's and women's top division game. Um, we have commentary teams for all of them and live statistics and, and all that sort of stuff. So there's a lot of work that happens, even courtside for those games and a lot of preparation that goes into it. And And obviously we want to make sure that next season is, is slightly bigger and better than the season before. So always some planning to be done.
1: How's the south of the river expansion thoughts going?
7: <laughs> uh, I know, I know, you, you're very, very keen for us to, <laughs> to have something down there. Um, oh, look, there's there's always planning occurring, but things have to have to be, I guess, right, and the right facility and, and situation hasn't yet come up, but we are always looking.
1: Good. All right, open mind that's great. Yeah. Um, what about uh, travel for teams? what's happening? Um, it's a world cup year will that kind of impact on anything that futsal wA are doing in regards to travel anywhere?
7: No, no not not particularly we will have teams going over to the the eastern states for national
2: championships and uh, but that's later in the year and then early
7: early next year, but we've also had our junior representative teams be invited to a tournament in Portugal, um, in in the middle of 2024 in June 2024, so we are starting plans for that with with those teams, um, and we're also we have the the Super League of Western Australia, and then the there are, are teams from various other regions. Um, different associations adopting the, the Superliga logo and the, the Superleague branding. And we had the first ever Superleague Australian Championships last October in Brisbane. And then the next one this year will be later in the year, either um, here in Perth or potentially in Melbourne. So certainly even though today is a day off, <laughs> there's still lots to be done.
1: How does the growth of women's football generally across the globe impact on futsal? Uh, I think there's... I think the big, the biggest thing, in my opinion,
7: is just the visibility of it. So, the fact that, what, 15, 20 years ago, um, women's football was not really at the forefront of anybody's thoughts, barring a very, very small section of the community. Um, Like, I I was good friends with people who played in the QAS thing, which was the the Brisbane Women's National League side. But now it's commonplace for people to talk about Sam Kerr, Hayley Rasso, Ellie Carpenter. Like, we have some of the best players in the world. And it's not just like a, a Lisa Devanna or sort of an outlier It's commonplace now that we have some ridiculously talented players.
1: But this is not just about female football, is it? There's surely some male footballers that you'll put into that conversation?
7: Um, I don't think we have any male footballers that are at that level at the moment. Right. I don't. Well, I I struggle to think of a soccer who is playing in the Champions League um, at, at a... I don't think any of the the Australian players made it into the even the group stages of the Champions League, yeah. barring the ones who were at Celtic, and that didn't go very well. Um, but certainly none of them made it into the, I think the knockout stages of the Champions League. So oh, I just don't. I think the the soccerers have had sort of twenty years of very very good, or seventeen years. Of very good squads and, and very good performances and results, but with the Matildas now, they are at the forefront of of national conversation. If if somebody doesn't know who the Matildas are, it's by choice, really, yeah. um, or because of a, a specific situation. But the the visibility of the women's game has improved so much that now. <sighs> It's like young female players don't just have one person to look up to. They have many.
2: Yeah.
7: Um, uh, I do think as well, like it's something that in through my roles at Subiaco and and through futsal, we've, we've also tried to really focus for female players on injury prevention. Um, the statistics on women's uh, female ACL injuries even just recently and leading into the World Cup, has just been horrific. So with um, Futsal WA and, and with Subiaco, we've put into place um, specific components to training sessions in the warm-up so that we are looking to help those female players to strengthen specific parts of their their legs so that they are less likely to then incur an ACL injury. Um, unfortunately, I think it's a I think we're up to about twenty five players are missing from the Women's World Cup this year because of ACL injuries. Yeah. And it's it's just been ridiculous. And like I said, it's something that we've we've spoken about and we've got a, a fitness coach has come in with Subiaco. Um I last year had one of my futsal players. I had just moved from Red Star to Subiaco and a player who was in the Red Star first team did her ACL in the middle of a game after a year and a half after returning from doing her ACL in her other knee and it's she, she had done all of the strength stuff. She'd worked her way back um, and through futsal and through when I was coaching at Red Star, we spent... 15 and 20 minutes at the start of every session doing the, the the activities and she taught all of the rest of the the Red Star under-21s and, and um, the team below that the, the activities so that they were strengthening as well and it still happened. So unfortunately there's an, an element of physiology that we just can't get around but I think the visibility now is leading to hopefully, better outcomes in the future because we can prepare and we can plan and and help these players to hopefully not go through moving forwards.
1: Yeah, we were talking about the intensity of the programs of modern-day professional footballers and, um, I mean, I suppose men's football goes through the same thing at some or, or had gone through the same thing and now it's managed in a different way with... The level of support staff, and you were saying then about bringing a fitness coach into Subiaco. Um, one assumes that at the highest level of men's football, they have all of the staff that is required, and at the highest level of women's football, they have all of the support staff that is required. Yeah. Um, whether that uh, equals prevention or just better recovery, I don't. I don't know the answer to that.
2: Yeah. I do-
7: well, I think I think there's still there's still a lot of research being done into it, but I, I do believe from what I have read that physiologically just because of the shape of bodies women are more likely to have
2: the acl issue because of the alignment between the feet the knees and the hips yes
7: um and so there's going to be elements of that that there's no amount of prevention and education um prehab work any like those things are not just going to be able to overcome that issue
1: management of load isn't it greg then
7: yeah, well, the more people know about it, the more we communicate it, the more we talk to people about it, the better off we're going to be. But I, I also think, I don't even think it's necessarily load. It's just literally conditions. So that player who did her knee, it was wet, it was muddy. She just stepped and and her foot slipped because of the mud slightly, and that was it. So it, it wasn't the, and, and it's those situations. Like Ellie Carpenter was in the middle of, no one around her when she did her name. It's yeah. it's and, and that's one of the best players in the world who would, as you said, have all of those boxes ticked with her club. Mm. I mean, Leon is literally the most successful women's club of all of all time in Europe. So if they
2: don't have all of the facilities, all of the coaches, all of the education, no one else is going to. Yeah. It, it, it's something that we need to continue research into and i think again
7: the visibility now of the women's game is helping with these things because 15 years ago i don't think it would have even been discussed that there was more acl injuries in women's sport than in men
1: actually i remember having this conversation with or actually i think it might be anodong when she was um hosting on the show before she had her upward uh, move into football <laughs> Australia and so forth and and she was chatting with Jason Washington King who was also a host on the show many years ago Sarah King's brother um and they were talking about this because Jason's got a, a background in in this area and he's done his research too and I remember them having this conversation about exactly what you're saying about the the shape of a female body compared to a, a shape of a male body and um you know how, how the mechanics works and you know there was no answer. It, it was just like, well, we're now we're learning about this more because play, female players are becoming exposed to uh, more intense programs, um, higher loads, different surfaces they play on. Um, yeah. You said the conditions; it could be an artificial surface. And I remember when the Women's World Cup was ninety nine? I can't remember what it was. They were talking about um, lobbying not to play on artificial surfaces, and, yeah. um, and because they thought that well, it was hot. It was. Hot on their feet, it causes undue stress on the bodies and so forth. And men play on all grass. Well, I think it might be fifty percent grass these yeah, days. Yeah. It's not all hundred percent, but you know, all those kind of things have been talked about for a little <coughs> while. But yes, Greg, we're not quite there, knowing the answers yet. Because if we did know the answers, hopefully there'd be less ACL injuries.
7: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and I think if, if we, we we just have to continue the progression forward, and it's it's always. Like, we're never going to be injury-free playing contact sport, even non-contact sport. But, Mark, we're, we're the actual original question. Hopefully, the visibility now, the fact that these athletes are being valued so much more, and in terms of their actual, even just monetary value, there's so much more involved for the clubs, for the players, that the research is now being fast-tracked because it's more prominent, it can only lead to hopefully better situations for female players in the future. Yes. But then we, we also need to make sure that even just at the local level, we're getting our 8 and 10 and 12-year-old old girls and their parents to understand the situation. And this is why you are doing these activities at the yes. start of training because we want to make sure that you have a long and enjoyable future in the game.
1: Yes, yeah, the dynamic warm-ups, as your club technical director suggests. Now, I actually uh, I, I was referring to the growth of football in 11-a-side and how the exposure is much better and wondering if that affects the growth of futsal, as in crossover of players or there's a consequential um Uh, you know, thing that happens of better exposure for 11-a-side and Matildas and so forth, um, do they then automatically in an off-season of some kind think about playing 5-a-side or is there different or better opportunities for futsal because the level of exposure of 11 side football is is growing?
7: Yeah, I I certainly think that there has been a a greater level of interest in, in just any type of football from female players because of the interest generated and I'd say, well, I mean, the the ideal scenario would be a Matilda's World Cup win um, because that that would obviously be amazing for the game in the country, but also it it would have just the success of the World Cup tournament. I think will still have a flow-on effect with participation numbers. So we've just finished the the Super League of summer season where we had an under-13 girls competition, under-15s and under-20s, the previous summer, we only had under 16 girls. So I think that next next summer, we'd be looking at having 13s, 15s, 20s, and potentially even an under 11 girls competition, but the numbers in each of those categories will go up. Um, instead of having five or six teams in those age groups, there'll hopefully be seven or eight and even nine or 10. And it's, it's just a matter of those, Participation numbers, the the people being um, excited through the the, to- the tournament having effect on on the overall picture of the game,
1: and that kind of aligns, if I think locally, to football West the introduction of well uh, thirteens girls and 15s, so more levels of competition in the boys' competition locally. There's an age group for every age.
0: Yeah,
1: um, for the girls, it's been infilling. Along the way.
0: Yeah, I did did notice Greg mentioned uh, that the 15s then it goes to uh, 20s or 21s. That's Yeah, 20s. Yeah, that's quite a gap. So is there less people playing? There isn't big enough numbers to create? Or the quality
1: is such that once you hit that age group, you're ready to play.
0: 17 or... Yeah, it's
7: it's slightly different to men's football, although I, I do think that even in the, the men's game the 18th level of competition is there's a little bit of a drop off between 16 and then 20s because at 15, 16, 17 most players are ready to be playing reserves if they're higher level players yeah, and and if they're not and they're playing under 18s yeah. it's because they yet, haven't yet had a little bit of a kick on and everybody develops a different rate sure. so that's perfectly fine and, and normal, but those players are at a little bit of a lower level yeah. compared to the ones who are starting to play 20s and then looking to play first-name. Yeah, and absolutely. It's, it, it's very similar in, in women's football. It's just a little bit more pronounced. Okay. At, at 15 and 16, there are... Well, the the club information from Football West sort of stated that the under-23 MPL competition in, the, in its first few years was nearly an under-18 or 19 competition. So the majority of the players in those leagues were 15, 16, 17, yeah. 18, um, because of the population here in Perth. That, that should hopefully change in the next couple of years with clubs being mandated to have juniors, um, because until the last couple of years, with the old Premier League and then in the early years of the MPL, there's no player point system for clubs, so there's, there
2: was no, uh, I guess, incentive for them to try to develop their own players
7: because
0: sure.
7: they knew that they could just go to other clubs and poach groups of players. Um, but now, with clubs being mandated to have juniors and forced to put some time and effort and money into development, it should mean that there is bigger pools of players to then top up those... Well, I, I, we're trying to get Football West to move. Sorry, I'm also on the Women's Standing Committee. So we're trying to get them to introduce a, a women's under 18 MPL competition okay. to then further encourage that development process from juniors to 18s to 21s to first team. Yeah. But at, at where, where we were several years ago, there just wasn't the population to, to sort of make it worthwhile. But now and into next year. It definitely, definitely should be because the number of players looking to play at the elite level will hopefully skyrocket yeah. and even just the number of players looking to play at grassroots level yeah. because of the, the, not hangover, because of the excitement and the, the goodwill generated from the World Cup.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah,
1: Greg, let's talk about uh, women's NPL. Just for the listeners, the table sits at the moment with NTC on top after five rounds. 12 points, Perth Soccer Club on 10 Perth Red Stars on 10 so pretty tight at the top of the table there then Fremantle, Mum FC, Balcatta, Subiaco and Curtin, we've got promotion and relegation between the top two tiers this year and fixes for this week are Balcata are playing Mum FC I'm just going to say Melville but I'm getting used to saying Mum a bit more these <laughs> days Dave,
4: yeah. Fremantle
1: are playing uh, NTC, Subiaco are playing Perth Red Star, Perth Soccer Club are playing Curtin so Curtin have copped a, a hammering. Um, they've got some work to do. There's uh, yeah, a lot of points between the top of the table and the bottom of the table, Greg.
7: Um, Curt- yeah, yeah, it's a little bit of an unfortunate situation, I don't think. Um, like Harry, who is, is coaching the team at the moment, I think he's doing a, a good job. He's he's working hard trying to get the, the best, scenario possible for the players there but i don't think the club have covered themselves in glory um we'd spoken the women's standing committee had spoken to football west late in in october november last year because there were curtain first team players moving to other clubs um we have some playing in our subiaco first team and in our 21s um and there's others at Balkata and Melville and, and yeah. other places. And I think there probably wasn't enough done on behalf of either party to ensure that there was going to be a competitive group of players. Um, it, it's very, very difficult to sort of not have a core group and to then try and start all over again, which is essentially what they did. Yeah, I believe they, they only had three or four players at training in early January when the first team playing roster of minimum 18 players was supposed to be submitted on, I think it was the 7th or the 9th of January. Wow. So yep. the, the, the time and the effort and the, the work needed to go into it, I don't think was done on behalf of the club, not... People like Harry and the playing group and that sort of thing—that's not their job. Yeah. Well,
1: um, well, they're going to. But
7: we, we have to increase the
1: standards. We we do, and look, yeah. promotion and relegation is going to sort that out a little yeah. bit because that'll help. Um, you know, they they will just you know, organically um, realise that maybe that's not the competition for them to be in. And um, one of the teams um, from the lower division at, at the moment, UWA and Hammersley, I think, are the top two teams in yeah. the. Next division down So maybe they're eyeing off a a move Up into the NPL And figuring out what they need to do To get to that point
7: Yeah well I've actually uh, A a friend of mine A player who I coach in futsal Is the the Hammersley coach And he's done a a really good job of Building a a side over the last few years And, And this season really Has probably taken it to another level they they were in the amateur division the season before, but being in the I guess the second tier now, um, he's he's done all the right things to try and get Hammersley the opportunity as a club to potentially be considered for the MPL, and hope hopefully the mm. the club will um, back him and and give give the side the resources they need to to make a fist of it.
1: Yes. Um and the
7: U- way- UWA, of course, have all of the the resources they need to to be there. They were in the old Premier League a couple of seasons before yeah. the change over to MPL. I think the only thing they would need really is a fence around their first field. But I, I think right. they potentially put one up during the season anyway.
1: Yeah, so what about... How does Subiaco deal with that one, having a fence around things? There's public open so, space there, isn't it?
7: Yeah, so there's a... We, a few weeks ago, before the season started, there was a, I guess, a working bee, and the, um, I'm going to use the word temporary because during the off season it's brought down, but it is relatively permanent fencing goes up around that first field. Um, I'm not sure on the specific council requirements, but there's a couple of different open areas so that people can still walk through. Um, and obviously ambulance access and all that sort of stuff, um, but that was a big five or six hour job where the everybody from the club president, I think, down to a few community members were involved erecting that fence.
1: Yeah. Mm. I I suppose you know there's a little bit of flexibility having been already given in women's NPL and in Men's NPO when that first started, um, with all these kind of conditions and criteria having to be met, but um, with the introduction of promotion and relegation, it'll just it'll sort out things. Yep. Just, uh, it'll just happen.
7: Yeah, well, I think the as much as the the fence and having a scoreboard, that those aesthetic things are really important. I still think there are uh, deficits with, especially the the development with juniors and. And then even things like having physios and having clubhouses open for the women's games where people can access food and drinks. Um, there are a couple of MPLW clubs that also have men's MPL or men's state league. And if you're there on a Saturday watching the men's state league or the men's MPL, you have brilliant food, excellent bar facilities. And if you go there on a Sunday, all of that stuff's closed for the women's games. So that stuff was a part of the requirements for the women's NPL, and I think there are a couple of clubs that haven't lived up to those expectations at the moment.
1: Yeah, Yeah, just for the listeners, in the NPLW, Perth Soccer Club have a men's and women's team, Perth Red Star have a men's and women's team, Uh, Valcada have a men's and women's team. I think that's it. And then we have uh, Fremantle?
7: So Subiaco have men's state league. Fremantle have That's men's right. state league. Yep. Yep. Curt- Curtin have men's
1: state league. Yep. That's right. T- lower tier uh, football. So criteria a little bit different Yeah.
2: in
1: in that regard. But, uh, yeah, it would like to think that they, they're, they're better resources and are, and are better organised the higher you get up in the tiers of football. Yeah. Less grading impact and less pre-season challenges and all that kind of stuff. Whew. There's uh, certainly been a lot to talk about in the first part of the opening of women's football and with the grading. I'm not even sure how far the grading goes. Does that extend right across Masters football and amateur men's football, Dave? Do you have any idea about that? Uh,
0: certainly yeah. Masters, but uh, not in amateurs, I don't think.
1: Yeah, I'm sure Phil will have some things to say about yeah. things as well when we have a chat to him. Greg, uh, just before we let you go, how's things going down at Subiaco? Subiaco, a pretty massive club. you got, you got all the the pyramid of football happening for underpinning programs so that in the future years, when you become the king of football, you've got all the young players filtering through and wanting to be at Subiaco and no other place?
7: <laughs> yeah, I, I certainly have no designs on any any crown or anything like that. Um, but the I think the building of the, the club, especially my remit from the committee is on the female side of it um it is going quite well i think in the past there's been some excellent work done in specific situations but probably not enough to tie it all together which meant that there was a little bit of a, a deficit of players ending up in the first team who had come through the club but were of a genuine MPL standard so we're trying to make more of a connection between the the top team and the 21s and the 18s who have all been training together and and sort of at the same time, but also doing a lot of the strength work and the physical conditioning together, then down to the 17s and the 16s and the 14s and the 13s and the 12s and the little under 10s. So we've got players who are are helping out with coaching and we've got players who are going to be starting doing mentor um, situations with some of the young players almost like a buddy system in school so that they have somebody one of the, the, the little ones has a big person that they know around the club who they can identify with and when they see them they can go up and have a little bit of a, a chat to them about what's happening with their games and just provide more of a connection
2: between the the, the, the grassroots and, and the top end nice.
7: female players
1: That's a good connection isn't it? That's what you want That that fosters a club culture.
7: Yeah, it does. And, and it also then encourages players and their families, parents to be coming down and watching games because Liz Wallwork, who's the, the women's M one of the women's MPL captains at Subiaco was down watching the under 10 girls on, on the weekend and, and the parents see that and it then generates hopefully some interest in, in her team in response. And then we start to get crowds at games and we have people, invested in the success of the team and and enjoying being at the club because the the more like the, the men's stay league team has been getting quite good results this season with with Michael Jansen and I think the the more interest that, that generates amongst the the boys side of the club the better their attendance and turnout and support will be at games but it's exactly the same in the female side it's just because of participation numbers we need to probably be a little bit more active in trying to generate those numbers because they're not quite as as big just in terms of the amount of participation.
1: Yes. Greg, we're going to let you go. I think we've squeezed as much as we can into this conversation for this time. <laughs> <laughs> good one. Enjoy your football and whatever space you manage to get after you clock off from here.
7: Yeah, thank you very much, guys. You have a good weekend.
1: Good yeah. on you, Greg. You thank you.
7: Thanks,
1: bye. That was Greg Farrell, Futsal WA Coaching Director and NPL Coach with Stubiaco Women's. We're going to go to a break and come back and chat more football with Phil Kelly, the Chair of the Men's Standing Committee for State League.
2: (laughs) Yeah. The top station
7: on your radio dial, (laughs) Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM. (sighs)
5: Going out on the pitch with your friends is always an amazing feeling.
4: I train a fair bit, but when you're doing it with your teammates, it's a lot more fun.
5: Having that camaraderie brings out the best in everyone, knowing that you're working together to achieve something.
4: And you know that you have faith in your teammates because you guys are so strongly bonded together.
5: You're just playing with friends, enjoying the game, having a laugh. You can't beat it. Have fun, make friends,
0: keep active, play football.
1: Gate and Fence Hardware WA Your one stop shop for all Gate and Fence Hardware Components, wrought iron, automation And electronic gate security We can offer great advice and solutions For your project Trade and layman welcome Hardware shipped all over Australia Contact the team On 9258 6822 Or shop online at Gateandfencehardware.com.au Station sponsor
5: You're listening to Community Radio, powered by passionate football volunteers just like myself. You can appreciate the entertainment by becoming a station member. Hi, I'm Phil Kelly, chair of the Football West Men's State League Standing Committee. Listen in next for Western Australian Local Football News.
1: Welcome back to the World Football Programme. Penn and Dave in the studio. If you miss any part of the show today, you can go to the worldfootballprogram.com.au website and go to the podcast link and download it. It should appear not long after the show finishes. Good morning, Phil Kelly. Welcome to the show.
5: Good morning, Penn.
0: Good morning, Dave. Good morning, Phil.
1: Good to have you listening in. Thanks for the little messages along the way there. I did have a quick check into that three-strike policy, which is up on the Football West website. And uh, I don't know, maybe we should have asked Jamie about that, but he sounded like, uh, you know what, he wanted to be at his son's basketball game, and maybe if we started a conversation about the, the strike policy, we might have gone on for another 10 minutes.
0: Yeah, <laughs> maybe even longer.
1: Mm.
5: So
0: Maybe. Maybe not the best of subject either
5: to talk about, is it?
1: Well, sometimes you've got to have the difficult conversations to, you know, share it out in the community, make more people aware of it, kind of reach some solutions and alternatives to the other side, whatever that may be, Phil. Exactly, exactly. I do
5: better than a squatty conversation. So, (laughs) you know. (laughs)
1: It, It has been a challenge, hasn't it? But it just seems like yesterday that other management systems were just being introduced and here we are going to another platform. Why can't they just have one forever? Why not? Yeah. Come on.
5: <laughs> so, Good you- question. So, but so- hey, look, it, it is what it is, right? In all honesty, in the State League, squad has been working perfectly fine and it has, I mean, it's definitely got its challenges, I guess, from any new system implementation. But um, I think once it got going and the hopefully this is the same experience that, the uh, amateurs and the juniors will have as well. Um, I think once it gets going, once the fixtures are all set in stone and the squads are in, I think it'll be fine. So just that challenging implementation period.
1: Yeah, absolutely. But I I do go back to the fact that the higher tiers of football are more organised quicker. So they already know where the grounds are going to be. They already know what the game times are going to be because they're kind of dedicated. But in the more amateur forms of football, These things change. Mm. The the numbers change. Well, they do.
5: And and they they change week to week, right? As well. So, not necessarily, grounds can change, uh, times can change. So, it it is a much more challenging environment. So, um, it's something we need to get in front of, I think, eventually.
1: Well, I, I don't know. Can you ever get in front of it? Maybe just planning earlier or having a bigger. Resource available like more, I don't know, more staff doing fixturing at club level, also as well as at football west level, because it's not just about football west, it's about how organized the clubs are as well, right? Their yeah. manpower and resources.
5: Oh, 100%. And the thing is, if you don't get right up front, you spend the rest of your time hiding it for its entire existence. So it's that initial phase of getting the data correct up front, manipulating it as we need to and then hopefully not having to fight it the whole way. So you're right, I think dedicating as much resources as we can and as much time at that front end will save a lot of these issues going forward. But anyway, we're not going to solve that today.
2: No,
1: no. In fact, I don't know that we've ever sold anything on this show when we've had a chat about it. <laughs> we bring up all these challenges and questions. <laughs> Far but up. at least we're
5: asking the question, aren't we? That's, that's the main thing.
1: And everyone else is aware of what the question is. Yeah. Um, Yes, so yeah, the the, the three-strike policy is up on footballwest.com.au and thanks for bringing up that it was not just relative to junior football, it's relative to the competitions. Uh,
5: It's across the board. And look, I think it's something that we need. We certainly need it at state league level. I mean, only last week I was watching a senior member of a club as a referee was walking off. Now, I must admit, he did not breach the code of conduct, but he was berating the referee. As he walked off. Now, I'm not saying that that should attract a first-strike rule, but members of his club are watching him do that, and then next week, they may have a crack at it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it escalates from there. And it's this type of behaviour as, I guess, people involved in football that we need to stamp out. We don't want to. Yeah. And I think the three-strike policy is the perfect way, because the first strike is very, very basic. It's basically a show-cause notice um and to advise the governing body what you're gonna do about changing that behaviour as a club. Mm. And then if you don't do that, strike two is very, very severe and strike three means you're out of competition. And that's all all of your age groups as well. So if you're under tens, and this is a terrible example, um break or, or, or execute that third strike, your state league, your NPL, your women's teams are all out of competition.
0: Yeah. That and we all know it's a, it's a
5: it's a it's a full club cultural issue, right? And I think yep. um, that yeah, that it'd be like it's a good initiative, and we'll, we'll go some way to standing it
1: out. Governance and being the best humans that we can possibly be, and telling other people that they should be the best humans that they can possibly be as well.
0: Yeah, but you also we have, try. We try. You've, mm-hmm. you've got to get it out there and in, and uh, in, in, into the community, into the clubs, because a lot of people don't even know. They've all been told, the clubs have been told, but a lot of people have no idea that this policy exists.
5: Yeah, well... Yeah, so, but if you're, a, if you're a club administrator and you haven't told your members um, that they need to behave themselves and they don't behave themselves, that's probably that's probably on you. But I get what you're saying. Yeah. It does need to be communicated. Yeah. Um, but maybe some of that's on clubs, hey?
0: Yeah, yeah it, it is. It's
5: resources.
1: got to do with
0: gloves. Yeah, absolutely. Fine.
1: Well, a, lo- a lot of this um, early part of the season is about how they can actually just get the kids registered, or the, the players registered, the teams registered, and get them allocated into a fixture and playing football, rather yeah. than all of the other administration that goes with it.
0: Yeah, but yeah. The, they're all out in the fields now. They were yep. last weekend, so. Uh, in,
1: in some way, they're all out there. There's been some pretty huge results. I've looked across different divisions, yeah. men's, women's, girls, boys. There's some pretty massive differentials. Yeah. Whew.
0: And that's an, another task.
1: Bear with it, everyone. You're playing the game that you love <laughs> and everyone is a volunteer.
0: Absolutely. Love them
1: too. And
5: we're all, and, and we're all yeah. having fun, right? As yeah. well,
0: That's the other thing. <laughs> you, you will have fun.
1: Phil, how's things <laughs> down at Ashfield?
0: Uh, look, Ashfield's going going really well
5: at the moment. Look, we are, uh, yeah, we're having a look. We're happy with where we're at, where we're at this year. We're we're sitting quite comfortably in that middle of the table at the moment. I think today's game will decide whether that's in the top half or the bottom half. So, look, yep. things are looking really and well. Wannaroo? Yeah, so look, we're up at Wannaroo today, um, and we're we're really happy with where we're at. We we're I guess mid rebuild and. Um, we have a, a number of goals that we want to achieve, and at the moment we're we're tracking quite nicely um, on that path. So, no, we couldn't couldn't be happier where we are at the moment. Yeah.
1: So, your your club is a sports club, so you have other sports as members. How does that all work? Does everyone get along very well and kind of merge for different functions and events and use the green space there uh, jointly on on days, or is everyone? separately and you kind of don't see each other, it's all like highly super organised into different spaces?
5: No, historically no, unfortunately, um, look, it's been a a point of debate where it is quite challenging, um, I guess, competing for time and space and that sort of thing, but but one of the things that we're focusing on at the moment is driving up that engagement and um, there's going to be a lot more of that sort of stuff coming in the future as well. So one of, the, one of our challenges has been to try and get everyone. And um, that's, where we're, that's, that's where we're heading at
1: the moment. It's got to be a way of the future. We touched on that with Jamie Harnwell during the COVID period when there was lots of crossover and communications and networking with the different sports to allow everybody to get what they needed out of a sporting year, sporting calendar, in whatever way that Absolutely. Was, yeah. yeah, and the
5: reality, the reality is clubs don't turn over a profit. Um, like it's very difficult to cost of living crisis, and um, you know it's quite challenging without charging higher fees or having significant numbers of um, people within your club fundraising and that sort of thing. It can be quite challenging to uh, to generate revenue required to run a run a club. So having these extra activities and. They may not be sport-related. They might be um, community-related, just bringing more members of the community into your club for non-traditional sports activities as well, and that's, that's a, an area of huge focus for us at the moment as well.
1: What's the, what's the defining point of difference for Ashfield Sports Club?
5: In which way? As in, from well, a, a
1: venue? Nope, yeah, just as a club. So uh, let's... Let, Balga Soccer Club, for example. Um, huge amount of different nationalities go to that club. They've got no registration fee for junior players. brings families into the club. You have to become a member, and that brings a huge amount of players in with their families to help with the functioning of the club. Of
5: course, that's a fine. Yeah, now I get you. So we try and make Ashford a place that everyone wants to be at and wants to come to, and that's not just our members, that's opposition players, that's referees, um, everybody that comes to Ashfield has to enjoy the day And what we want Ashfield to be Is the fixture that, in a football sense That everybody looks to go well, When are we playing Ashfield this year? Because it's always a great day And um, that's our defining factor That we're, we're kind of focusing on at the moment is being a, a venue that people want to go and play at yeah. And whether that's for us or against us um, that, That's what we're really trying to push out there at the moment
1: Yeah yeah, that's good. I hope every club thinks about that. You know, why? What's their point of difference in the sporting community? Why would people want to come and register with their club? Why would they want to play at that club? Uh, are they excited to go there match day. What? What is it about that? That everyone enjoys the football at that club. That's why they're there. Yeah. Good team spirit. Good exactly. So,
5: and Dave, you've you've been out to Ashford. Probably, you've probably seen the transition as well. And, yeah. Um, and. It's it's really is an area we want to focus on, and we genuinely want people to enjoy their time um, yeah. when they when they
0: come out to Ashfield. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you know, even that cup game uh, that uh, 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 played at Floriade, the uh, there was more uh, Ashfield people there than there was people from uh, Sorrento, which. It's good. Well yeah. when that's good as well because that we we haven't traditionally had a lot of salading
5: fans lately, so I'm quite happy
1: to hear that. Yeah. And as it, well. Which is good. Yeah. Uh Phil switching over to State League and generally how the season's going. Um so you're the state league chair of the standing committee there. Um you've been doing it for quite a while now. Like Ten years or more. I have a little
5: while. I think it has been over 10 years, which is, um, and not as chair, obviously. I think as chair has been a little less than that. Yep. But, um,
1: so you'd have a yeah, handle on involved, everything that's happening.
5: Uh, a little bit, sometimes, not always, but uh, we, we do what we can. I guess talk about some of the challenges in the league at the moment. Obviously, one of the biggest ones is um, the number of referees that we have across the board.
1: Do you mean um, not enough referees?
5: So we, we just don't have enough. We okay. simply don't have enough, and we're starting to see that element creep into the NPL. Now, I was chatting to an NPL coach the other day, um, mm-hmm. and we're, you know, I think there's always been pretty good coverage in the NPL for referees, and if there's no coverage for referees in the NPL, um, we're probably talking a dire situation in the State League, and I know that... Um,
1: but they'd pull up, wouldn't they? Yeah, so the prime competition oh, okay. is the NPL. If they are short there, they'd pull up from the State League. So the State League might miss out, but they have to pull up to the NPL. Yeah,
5: so I think we've been in situations... I think we had a late kickoff recently. It was actually a cup game um, where referees had actually come from another game to do our cup game that was at Ashfield. Um, and that's not a great situation. So this is why it's important that we have these things like the free strikes rule. Um Mm -hmm. At the moment, because obviously that is a component of why referees may not want to referee at this level. Yes. Um, But who knows? And it's something we need to talk about more. We need to talk about why we don't have enough referees in our game, uh, because if we don't have referees, we simply don't have a game. Yeah. And we're at a point in the State League, potentially, and not to be alarmist, but we may have games that don't go ahead this year because we don't have referees to referee them. Well, and, okay, let's
1: uh, let, let's do a quick brainstorm, right? I, I've been thinking about this one. At lower 100%. levels of football, and I don't mean lower quality, I just mean lower age groups and um, amateur football, social football, um, the the club should be the template to provide lines, people and officials.
5: A hundred percent. so couldn't so, agree more. We, should, we should have referees implanted into our club as part of our club yeah, culture. absolutely, correct. Yeah.
1: So we need to educate them, so the clubs need to, within their own yeah. culture and environment, they need to provide an education, make appointments, provide guidelines and foster that.
5: Yeah, you couldn't agree more. And I think that's part, that's just certainly part of the solution, something we need to do more of.
1: Yeah, and look, one yeah. hopes then that the familiarity of those people that are coming from within the club refereeing their own club's people will mean that there's a greater level of respect because, I don't know, maybe because referees are unknown when they come into the match situation that people on the sidelines feel that they can, well, not just people on the sidelines, but people in the game feel like that they can give more abuse to that person because they don't know them. Would you do it to your best mate?
5: Would you do it to your brother? I, I agree completely. Obviously, I enjoy it when there's referees that I'm familiar with that are doing actual games, ones that I've seen and spoken to for years. And, they ones you're more likely to grab after the game. And so, Alex Novatsis is a good example from our Caramai game last week. We can go and talk to him after the game yeah. about why he made certain decisions. And it's not an abuse situation. It's more of a, it's a feedback. It's a learning experience for everybody who's involved. And the more of a relationship and a rapport we build with referees over time, the better it's going to be for us all.
1: Yeah. yeah. It should be part of the club criteria when you enter certain competitions, I reckon, that... You know, part of it is that you provide a linesman or a club referee in case of. And look, it's, just a, it's a changing thing too. And Jamie said something about, what was it, we're talking about uh, new clubs entering the competition that a few years ago the footballers changed their policy so that clubs couldn't just willy-nilly form wherever because, you know, mm-hmm. re- resource and pathways and, and, you know, overloading. Same with the referees thing. Well, our situation has changed. We have less referees coming in and being retained, so we need to change what we do about that. Yeah. But yeah, we need to nurture that yeah.
5: um, experience for them and grow and develop them part of our club culture as well. And I think that
2: that's
0: yeah. go a long way. Yeah, but Phil, you mentioned, you know, walking off the pitch and asking the referee in a, in a, a decent, uh, you know, non-aggressive way. But should, mm-hmm. you, should you really need to do that? Because should you well, just accept the fact that the way he saw it uh, is the way it happened and, you know, f- for Yeah, you I, I, I tend to agree isn't. with you.
5: Yeah, I tend to agree. But I think the discussion after it actually is better because he might give you a little bit of perspective as to why he made that decision. Um, and, look, we're not all right. We're not all wrong. And, and the best thing about the game is it's a game of opinions. And it, it, I personally, to be honest, I think the potential error of a referee is part of the game that, we, um, that makes the game so beautiful. Yeah. The fact that a referee can make a mistake yeah. Or, yeah. or something that's really great. genuinely. Because, you know what, it's one, one week it, it's you, the week, next week it's against you. And it's just one of those things. Yeah, um, and, but, but being able to have that conversation with the referee in a, in a fair, diplomatic and structural way after the fact... We all learn from it, so yeah. I think it's
1: a good thing. When you're yeah. out of the heat of the moment,
0: okay. off the park, we're going to get yeah, we're, we're going to get the VAR. <laughs> we have to have, a, you, you know, this VAR thing is just driving me nuts. And, I hate it. And, I hate it. You know, but it, it leaves. It's humans that's actually doing the, 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 the judgment, and they can be gullible. You know, there's, um, you know, people. Syndicates want to, you know, make the result different. You know, and ah, yeah, nobody seems to talk about but,
5: this. But back in the olden days, David used to be benefit to the attacking team whenever it was line ball, and now we've got toe literally toes—that are offside. Uh, uh, yes, I know, yeah. right? Who are we? Right. And um, yeah. Anyway, let's not go down that rabbit hole. One other thing I wanted to probably talk about. That's okay. Yep. Yeah. Um, with player rosters and the uh, implementation of professional contracts across the board through State League and NPO. And it's, it's something that's been, I think, very, very successful. The take-up has been immense um, across the board, across all three of our um, high-tier leagues. And I guess we're seeing some teething issues with that process as well. Um, we're starting to see players that quite haven't realised what they've actually signed and contract prevents ah. them from moving around wow. and it says that's one point yeah well exactly right so we've got players now that are seeking to move or are falling out with their clubs who are unable to move until the transfer window opens next month.
1: This brings a whole new um, yeah, topic of conversation so yes. are there um, like advisors or counsellors or someone at Football West that can give guidance on this?
5: A good question. I don't know the answer to that. There should be, and, and it's an area that not only at Football West but perhaps clubs should be educating their players as well. Um, I take a little bit of buyer beware responsibility with these sorts of things. Um, don't sign something that you don't. Um, probably reasonable advice to take into life. Um, but yeah, look, there probably should be some form of education process. So, the players are actually aware of the implications of but, what they're trying.
1: But You know what, Phil? It's a good point that you bring up, and it's an increasing part of our game where a lot of the higher end clubs are having to perform as a business. I mean, look at Mum mm-hmm. FC in the new artificial surface there and the whole Murdoch setup. Um, we've employed a technical director. Um, for several years now it's a high-end kind of job and payment is required for that how's the club going to afford it well they have to then start looking at um, different structures and set ups yeah, so yeah. that they can fund it or does it come from the, the players and then you look at the legal side of that to set those contracts in place to ensure you can have those professional people or resources being operated um who's going to give you the guidance is it a lawyer does a club have a lawyer is there someone on the committee that's a, a legal person or but this is Interesting conversation that we're not going to finish in well, the next yeah. three minutes, but we'll,
5: no, yeah, <laughs> we might, no, but it's but it's a, it's a minefield, right? So obviously these, um, well, the NRSTR and and that's the, that's the policy that governs all those contracts are basically there to protect player and club in certain circumstances, and yeah. they potentially are a league field, so.
2: It Maybe we should,
1: uh, we should seek out someone in the legal area related to football and have them come on and um, give some guidance. I wonder if someone at Football West is in that area. It might be worth seeing yeah. if we can pin someone down to have more of a wider discussion about this. Very yeah,
5: interesting. Absolutely, so, yeah. Hmm. No, it is. It's, uh, and it's a big area of our game. It's only going to grow as we obviously start
0: to develop the domestic transfer system and, um, and open that up as well, which is obviously the positive... Yeah, it's wonderful. It's going to happen. It's been taking forever to to come about, but uh, yeah.
5: Yes. Well, Dave, you know yourself how hard we've worked on the state league standing committee for the years and years served on that committee as well.
2: Yeah. Um, so this has been probably
5: you know uh, many many years of labour to try and bring in um, this process, and yeah. we're, we're finally there, and we're kind
0: of just betting down that process now. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that, I don't think it's going to be that easy, Phil. It's going to be difficult. To...
5: Oh, don't. Not at all. And, it, and, and it's not over yet. There's, like I said, there's a lot of uh, challenges still with how we should deal with that in a, in a real world. Yeah. There's a few little tweaks and that sort of thing we'll need to, to implement over, over the next couple of years as well.
1: So, yeah. so that means you'll need to be on the. St- Danning committee for the next five years at least <laughs> to make sure you work all these things out.
5: Well, my term my term ends at the end of this month. See later on this month, That's so nice. um, there will be there will be a, an election um, in June, I imagine. Um, yep. Yeah. Well, hopefully, I will probably will put my hand up because I'm a glum for punishment. But um, good
0: one. Yeah, we will we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah, you, good on you. You Jill. stick in there, Phil.
1: Thanks for joining us this morning, Phil. Appreciate the banter. No problem at any time. Yep. Enjoy your weekend, whatever it brings.
0: I will. Thank you. You too. Good one. See you, Phil. Cheers, Phil. Right. Bye-bye. Cheers. Bye.
1: Phil Kelly, the Men's State League Standing Committee Chair associated with Ashfield Sports Club. Thanks for joining us, Dave, and everyone else out there.
0: I appreciate it, Penny, yeah, and I uh, hope uh, everybody's uh, results work their way. The, yep. whole, we get the whole week of the
1: way. Don't forget to take the umbrella and the change of clothes with you wherever you're going to enjoy <laughs> football. If you don't have a stand in a canteen,
2: take the yep. third.